Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. Last week we said we might be about to embark on a slight change of format for the podcast and this week we're actually putting that into action. So this episode, if you're listening to this, is the question of the week part of the podcast, if you like. So it'll be a standalone episode that's just the usual question of the week segment. Uh, this week's question, which we'll get on to in a minute, is, is Apple undertaking a new low price strategy? It's a theme that's been in the news quite a bit over the last couple of weeks for a couple of different reasons that we'll go into. So that'll be the, the content of this particular episode. Uh, we're recording this Thursday morning. Tomorrow morning, Friday, we will record the other half of the podcast and release that as a separate episode. And this will be more like our traditional news roundup. Uh, so we're going to be splitting the podcast into those two pieces where we'll have the question of the week and have the news roundup. Our intention is to do the news roundup every week. We think we'll probably do the question of the week pretty much every week as well, but we'll have some flexibility in that. There may be weeks where it makes more sense to expand the news roundup part of it if there's a major event or something that's very newsworthy uh, and skip the question of the week. So we're going to mess around with that format a little bit. But from now on, you'll be looking in your podcast feed for probably two separate episodes most weeks. One will be that question of the week episode, which will be focused on a single topic where we'll do a deep dive the other will be more of a news roundup where we'll cover a number of news topics as we've done previously in the news roundup segment in, in the old format of the podcast. So that's just sort of an introductory note. Um, but this week, as I say, question of the week focused on Apple's pricing strategy. And a couple of reasons for talking about this. A uh, couple of people have been writing about this even before this week's new iPad launch. Uh, Neil Seibart, an analyst who uh, writes at Above Avalon, does a weekly public piece and, and also has a subscription service. He had a piece talking about Apple underpricing a couple of its products. Uh, 95Mac had a, an editorial about this. So there's been stuff going on. And then, of course, there's the new iPad release this week, which which brought the what used to be the iPad Air down to a new price point. So lots of context there for a discussion about Apple's pricing strategy and whether we're seeing something new uh, with the several most recent products that it's launched. So Aaron's been kind of doing some research and some thinking about this this week. So he's going to be mostly answering the questions and I'll be lobbing a few questions to him uh, throughout the course of this discussion. So Aaron, why don't you start out by giving us a little bit of context here in terms of kind of what's happening and why anybody would think that Apple might be engaging in a new low price pricing strategy. Yeah, well, I, and I should comment that I I might be losing my voice, so if I sound different than I do other weeks, that's why. But um, all right, so let's start with Apple and and the pricing thing. Apple's always made products for the higher end of the market. That's why this is a news item because it's this it's asking this question of whether or not Apple is changing that strategy. In historically, when opportunities came to price lower. Um, the truth is Apple has never quite gone after after that in earnest. If you look in, in their computer line, the lowest entry point ever historically was the 11-inch MacBook Air at $899. I'm not counting the eMac, but that was only cheaper by $100 at its entry point. And it was just an education product almost exclusively. Um, anyway, this, this strategy on Apple's part to never get below $900 in pricing on any of its consumer um, PCs, um, it, it weathered uh, uh, the netbook craze, if you remember, from 2007 to 2009. Uh, netbooks were priced at 300 to $600 on average, um, and a whole bunch of people said Apple was sort of missing the boat by not doing netbooks. Um, the reality is Apple was doing great, and all the netbook, netbook manufacturers were struggling because they were racing to the bottom, and Apple didn't have to. Um, Another space where Apple has never really gone after the low end is in the iPhone. Um, if you remember when the iPhone 5C was rumored, 
It was supposed to be the new low-cost iPhone. Um, and a whole bunch of people were saying this would be the phone that Apple was going to use to go after emerging markets like India and China. Um, and the reality was it just replaced the position of the iPhone 5 because Apple as, with the iPhone has a strategy as if it's simply essentially keeping your old hardware around um, for an extra year and, and cutting the price on it by 100 or so dollars. The iPhone 5C, when it showed up, turned out to not be that low-cost iPhone that everybody was expecting. Um, all it really did is just sort of upset the standard Apple strategy of keeping old hardware around. Um, the iPhone SE today is really just an extension of that strategy, even though it's got a slightly, it's definitely got a better price-to-value um, uh, equation to offer than I think even the iPhone 5C did. But it's, but this is not a, a low-cost smartphone by comparison with the, the real low-end smartphones that are out there in the Android space. Um, <clears throat> and so Apple's always had this strategy of saying, hey, we like to stay in the upper half of the market when it comes to the pricing of our products. Um, that's what made Neil Seibert's piece at Above Avalon so interesting. This is what he said. As Apple pushes deeper into luxury brand territory, the company is making its products more accessible through lower pricing. At $159, Apple is underpricing AirPods. The same can be said for Apple Watch, priced at $269. In just 10 years, we've moved from the Apple tax days, when Apple was accused of pricing products artificially high, to Apple products being priced below the competition. Apple's using its balance sheet and scale to grab new users and in the process redefine luxury. And, and the truth is, Cyber makes an interesting case. Uh, among truly wireless headphones, AirPods are 20 to 45% cheaper. Um, we're talking about wireless headphones that don't require a, a line running between them. Not only do you not have to plug them in, but the, the two separate earbuds aren't attached. He argues also that the Apple Watch is at the low end price-wise in its class. Um, but on that part, I think he kind of used some curious examples to make the argument. He pulled in the Fossil Phoenix, for example, at $600. The um, Garmin Forerunner uh, came in at uh, at $399. Um, uh, the truth is Samsung, LG, and Moto devices are all pretty much in the same ballpark as the Apple Watch. Um, yeah, and I think anyway, it's something, it's an interesting <clears throat> point because, I mean, Neil did, he did some recent pieces about wearables and where Apple is with wearables, and he kind of made an argument that Apple's building a wearables platform with watches and AirPods and so on. And, and he right. did a podcast episode where he talked about that idea and and I listened to that this past week and it was interesting to me he really focuses a lot on Fossil and Garmin and so on as the true competitors in the smartphone market and that's partly based on market share but he defines market share by revenue rather than by shipments and so obviously those more expensive products like the Apple Watch tend to get more share of revenue than they do of shipments and so I think that's partly where he's coming from there I don't necessarily agree with kind of that focus it, it seems clear to me the real competitors are in terms of what the Apple Watch does, or other smartwatches like those you mentioned, but but I think that may be where he's coming from on that. Yeah, well, and I think it's especially true that those are not the best comparison if you're thinking of the smartwatch as a platform, not just as a as you know pure revenue generation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, the Fossil Phoenix is not a platform, right? And and the Garmin Forerunner kind of is, but for a really narrow set of users, right? And and the people buying that are the ones who are buying the old GPS you know, wearables that Garmin's been making for years. Right. Anyway, 
So adding fuel to this idea of Apple having a low price, a new low price strategy, the iPad was announced this week at a pretty amazing price of three twenty nine. That's uh, to me the most surprising thing about the announcement, um, and, and that's incredibly cheap for a, ni- a, a nine inch iPad. Uh, it you know obviously has some older components when you compare it to say the iPad Pro, um, but none of these are unreasonable trade offs for such a low price. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting interesting announcement for sure in lots of different ways and we might talk about it some more on the news roundup episode uh, tomorrow but certainly uh, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting sort of stuff in what neil said and, and so the new ipad announcement feels like that's what some other people picked up on so i guess what's your take Aaron? can we take this as evidence that apple has a new pricing strategy that it's going after low prices in a way that it hasn't before um I, so i think the answer is probably not uh, and there are a few factors at play that make the answer more complicated than just, hey, look at these low prices. Um, th- there's more going on that we have to consider before we can have a good answer to that question. Uh, first of all, we have to compare apples to apples, and pun entirely intended there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, we're, if we're limiting comparison of pro- to products of similar quality, like Cybert does in his article, Apple has always competed on price. And that's one of the interesting things about what Cybart does, especially with regards to the watch. With the with the AirPods, we'll get to that in a second. But but with the watch, he essentially says, sure, there are a bunch of low-end smartwatches that don't really count. So let's just compare it to the ones that are of similar quality. Look, I, Apple, the, the Apple Watch is actually price competitive. He drew some interesting, he drew some curious examples in for comparison. But I mean, if you put it in the same ballpark as as you know the the Moto 360, the Samsung Gear, the watches priced right about where those others are. Well, it's always been that way. Um, they just happen to hold themselves to a high standard of quality in the products that they produce. They choose not to compete at the lower end. Um, it's been that way, for example, with laptops. MacBooks tend to price well against similarly specced PC laptops. The, the iPhone prices well against flagship Android phones. And so the idea that Cybert sort of leaves out the lower end, lower quality comparisons on the watch um, uh, is not a new thing. It's always been that way, and Apple is pretty much always you know, in the space compared well against uh, similarly spec products. The other thing that's important as we think about this is that it's hard to use examples of immature product categories. The watch and AirPods are, are, are rough because these are not fully mature products yet. And the markets for them aren't even fully mature. <clears throat> this is especially true in the case of wireless headphones where economies of scale don't really have all that much power yet. If you look at all the players in this space, um, the majority of them are brand new companies, you know, Kickstarter type companies. It's really telling that Samsung, who's a manufacturing heavyweight, is the company that's best competing with Apple on price for the same feature set, right? I mean, if right. you look at the list that, that Neil brought up, there's the only other one that is competing on price is Braggy, and that's because they had to cut the price in response to the AirPods. It's not clear what's going to happen to them as a company. Samsung, mm-hmm. for its part, however, you know, with the Gear Icon X uh, headphones is, is probably doing fine. I don't think they're going to, you know, those obviously aren't going to put Samsung out of business. And so, it, so, you know, this is an immature market, and we don't really know what's going to happen to it yet. Um, as far as the watch is concerned, you know, it's still a pretty young product uh, category as well. Um, when they launched it, the entry, pro- the entry point was 369 That's a pretty high entry point for a smartwatch, and Apple 
you know, had to bring the price down to get more people to buy Apple Watches. And so they kept old hardware around in the Series 1 and cut the price by $100. It's a strategy they've used with the iPhone and other devices. And they're just sort of doing it again here, trying to figure out what the what the right entry point is for people to get a watch. Um, I, you can't say this about the iPad, though. You can't say that the iPad is an immature product category. The tablet space is pr obviously pretty mature. So we really need to look at what Apple's pricing strategy is there for different reasons than it just sort of being a, a new market that needs to mature. Um, the iPad is being positioned in two places right now. Uh, it, and it's all being, it's being positioned as a laptop replacement, but specifically going after <clears throat> sort of the mid-range end with Ultrabooks and the Microsoft Surface. But it's also facing off with Chromebooks at the low end, especially in the education market. Chromebooks range price-wise from $150 to $400. Um, the iPad is actually at the higher end of this. Um, it's still actually, even this new price of $329 is, is double the cost of some pretty competitive Chromebooks. And then if you add in the cost of having needing a physical keyboard for the iPad, which is pretty important, especially for educators, um, it becomes even more expensive. So, it, in in the space in the Chromebook space, you can't say that Apple has a low end pricing strategy because there's still a lot of there's still a lot of competition in that space that's priced lower than them. That's competitive on battery life and basic feature set. And sure, there's not apps, but but uh, but you know they have Google Apps for Education, which is pretty much the main thing people use these Chromebooks for and getting on the internet. Anyway, the point is, is putting that putting the new iPad in that context, you can't really say it's a low pricing strategy. Um, <clears throat> what's really happening here is the as Apple is positioning iPads at both of these ends, at the mid range and with Ultrabooks and the Surface, and at the at the low range end with Chromebooks, and it's just essentially pushing its vision of the future of computing. But I'm not sure that calling it a low price strategy is is uh, is apt for that part. Right. So if, if we're not talking about a low price strategy, we do seem to be seeing certainly with our iPad, as you just mentioned, kind of a lower price there. We, uh, you know, the, the AirPods and watches may not be you know, that much higher than competing products, but they do seem to be kind of coming down over time. So there is at least some evidence of kind of lower pricing here. You know, there was a Business Insider headline that I pushed back on a bit yesterday that was, you know, Apple's abandoning its premium image and so on. You know, we've kind of established that's not what's happening here. But is there another explanation for all of this? Is there any kind of history that would perhaps put some of this in, in a different context? Yeah, and this is the part where I think there's been this crazy, strange amnesia <laughs> regarding the way Apple approaches this because I haven't seen anybody bring up the iPod in this conversation, and that's just baffling to me. Like I said, I think it's kind of crazy to leave it out of the discussion. Let's look at the iPod history. The iPod started at three ninety nine. As far as pricing goes, when the iPod launched, it was $150 more than flash, place, flash memory based players, but those weren't even in the same ballpark because they had like, you know, 64 megs of storage compared to the 5 gigs of the original iPod. But if, at, four, at $399, it was actually in the same price range as all the hard drive based players that were on the market, like Nomad made devices like this that would have, you know, 5 to 10 gigs and would be priced around $400 to $600. Uh, Apple, a year after the 5-gig iPod, launched the 10-gigabyte one. 
that was priced at $500. And so the iPod actually entered this brand new market that was sort of just starting um, in the same ballpark as everybody else. Um, as time went on and as Apple essentially took over the market, um, <clears throat> the company started making less expensive iPods like the Mini, the Nano, the Shuffle, eventually getting the price point all the way down to $69. So you, you could buy an iPod for $69. During all this time, there were plenty of low-end MP3 players that Apple never really worried about. Also during this time, there was the Zune. I don't know how many people remember the Microsoft Zune anymore. <laughs> but, <Right. clears throat> but what was interesting is it was trying to compete with the, with the core iPod market, not the low-end iPod market. And it was in the same price range and feature set as the iPod lineup. Again, sort of pointing this idea that Apple was pricing right about where the market should have been priced all along the way. The iPod strategy can really be summarized this way. And this is what we see playing out. We've seen it with iPhones. We've seen it with iPads. We will probably see it. We've started. We've seen it start happening with the watch. We're probably going to see it with AirPods is my guess. Um, Apple sets a standard for what a flagship quality product should be for a category. That's the first thing they do. When they enter a new category like this, they say, here's the flagship. This is what this product should be. And then with each new iteration of the flagship, Apple adds new features or increased quality to existing features. But then at the same time with that new flagship, they keep the previous flagship around, but at a discount. So they cut the price by 100 bucks, right, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Occasionally Apple, and they did this with the iPod, occasionally Apple comes out with a cheaper product in the category after they figured out which features can be sacrificed. So the iPad right. mini is an example of that. What's interesting is they don't cut on the quality of features to get lower prices. They cut features altogether to get lower prices. So for example, they may not have, <clears throat> there have been iterations where they didn't include Touch ID Right. Right. Or there were iterations where in the case of the iPod, it was or the iPad mini. It was a smaller screen, but it's not a lower quality screen. It was still retina and all that. Occasionally, Apple um, uh, <clears throat> uh, does this. They, they sort of cut features to to get to lower. And they did this with the iPod shuffle, for example, where they said, hey, you don't need a screen to listen to music, <laughs> right? Right. Mm -hmm. But even if you look at the iPod shuffle, they had that initial plastic one, but but really the second and third gen shuffles, even those at an entry point of $69, they were made out of aluminum, right? I mean, they didn't even make those out of plastic after a while. Um, and in fact, those iPod shuffles not only were they made out of aluminum at $69, they also came along with um, the same quality of the other iPods. They came with the same, they came with the same earpod headphones. They came with the same access to the iTunes music store, right? They were the same quality. They just had a few mm -hmm. features cut, but not quality right. cut. And that's an yeah. important point because Apple doesn't cut quality to move down market. Um, they'll do one of two things. They'll keep previous flagships around for an extra year or they will cut features, but they never cut quality. Right. Um, and, and, and what's really important about this, all along the way, Apple does this shooting for about 40% gross profit margins. Mm -hmm. That was a strategy they established with the iPod, and they've sort of maintained ever since. Yeah. And it's, it's where they seem to prefer doing business. Mm -hmm. So the best way to know if Apple is underpricing is to look at margins, right? If Apple is really underpricing on a product, 
it means that they are going below their 40% target as far as margins go. The, unfortunately, though, Apple doesn't report margins on individual product lines, so we don't know what the margin is on iPads or watches or AirPods. We had a glimpse of this back during the Samsung trial, where the iPad supposedly had half the pro profit margins of the iPhone, um, but that was an Apple expert testifying that wasn't that didn't come directly out of Apple itself. It is possible that Apple has been using generous iPhone margins to subsidize the iPad, the watch, and the AirPods, and that's the fundamental argument that Neil Seibart is making in his piece, is that Apple makes tons of money on iPhones, and it uses that extra money to go after these other products with lower market prices than it would naturally charge if it wasn't for the subsidy. I would say that for the iPad, that seems, if of any of these products, that seems more likely to be the case with the iPad. Um, uh, but it's, I think, a lot less certain with the watch and the AirPods. I mean, th according to some estimates, the component costs of the watch make up about 25% of its market price, which is actually less than the, the, the component costs for the iPhone. AirPods, we don't know what the component costs are for those, but, but I don't think they can be all that high. Um, the W1 chip is probably the candidate for the, the most expensive thing in a, in a set of AirPods. But the truth is Apple is kind of killing it in semiconductors. And so the W1 chip is probably not terribly expensive for them. So I guess the whole point we need to take from this perspective is that I don't think anything's really changed. <clears throat> I think Apple is entering new product categories, which is exciting. And they're bringing their version of luxury to new product categories, like with the watch and the AirPods. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're doing it in a new low-cost pricing strategy that they've never done before. Right. I think this. I think this strategy goes all the way back to the early days of the iPod, hmm. and it's and it's and I think it's just sort of the systematic way that Apple does this, right. all along the way, hitting those forty percent profit margins, which it looks like they're going to continue to do. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, one of the other claims I've kind of seen made is that this, you know, is going to hurt the Apple brand somehow by coming down market. And I think the point that you make here about the fact that this is very much in keeping with the history suggests. This isn't nearly the departure some people are sort of claiming it is, and therefore that, you know, it's not going to affect the brand. And, and really, I think even besides that, it's not price that affects the brand, it's quality. And to your point, they've never sacrificed right. quality to hit these price points. They've taken out features, they've either, they've not upgraded older devices with new features to keep the prices down, for example. And that's very much what we're seeing with the new iPad this week that has the A9 rather than A9X chip. It's not going backwards, but it's also not going forwards at the same pace as the iPad Pro. And it's one of the things that allows it to, to come in a lower price point. So very interesting. Well, thank you, Aaron, for, for doing that for us. Uh, yeah. That concludes uh, this episode, as I mentioned up front. Um, this is a standalone episode now with the question of the week. Um, we'll have another episode tomorrow that'll be in the nature of the news roundup that we've done previously. So look out for that tomorrow, uh, Friday. And uh, this will be the, the format that we'll have going forward. Uh, give us your feedback. We got some last week, mostly encouraging us to go forward with what we proposed last week. So that's what we're doing. But give us some feedback on how you feel it's working now that we're actually uh, going ahead with these changes. Uh, we will have the usual sort of links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today on the website at podcast.beyonddevices. And I say that every episode. I very rarely spell it out. But for anybody who hasn't figured out what kind of a URL that is, it's podcast.beyonddevice.es. So we use a, what's essentially a Spanish domain name to, to have a 
a website that doesn't have a .com at the end of it. So it's podcast.beyonddevices. That link will be in the show notes on your podcast app as well, so you can scroll down and see that there too. But thank you for joining us. Hopefully you enjoy this new slightly shorter format. And uh, as I say, the news roundup should be up tomorrow. And we look forward to doing all this again next week as well. Thanks.